There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight, where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. This episode, we'll be talking to my co-host, Stefan Postuma, about the ins and outs of publishing regional cookbooks. Welcome to this show, um, Food Fight Podcast, with uh, my co-host and today's guest, Stefan Postuma from Quicksand Food. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I am, as always, Simon Evans, um, the other half. Good to, good, to, good to be here, Simon. Good to good good to be in the in the chair. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a switch around today. Are we taking on uh, host responsibilities and seeing how I go? Nice to change it up a bit. I think so. You need to learn this. Give you give it a whirl. You've got to learn. <laughs> um, so before we go any further, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we're on, the Wadi Wadi people, the Dawa Nation, and pay respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. All right. Let's go. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. We're talking yeah, about. We're talking. It feels weird to not be introducing the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like we're not driving, and someone else is. So, I'm going to try to let you ask most of the questions, but I guess this 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 chat is a little bit overdue because we always talk about how one day we're going to talk about what I do yeah. on this podcast, and we've probably been talking about that since it was the Gong Show when mm. we were talking with Andy, and it's like. When are we going to actually talk about um, what what I do and um, publishing publishing cookbooks? Because that's what I've essentially been doing for most of the last at least five years, but I've actually been doing it since 2008. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of stuff that I don't even know or ins and outs of, of publishing and, and things you've done because you just kind of gloss over things sometimes, especially when you've been friends for a little while. You just don't even ask me, mate. No one even asks <laughs> no me. No one asks me. No one even cares. It's always about your chefs. <laughs> yeah, it's always exactly. about your fucking chefs. It's got to make them about themselves what all about the time. Oh, I've got guys. this new dish on the menu. Yeah, got some yeah. cured ooh, fucking ooh, kingfish. Ooh. <laughs> um, so tell us, give us an outline fairly briefly about quicksand food um, and what the main uh, part of that is. Like what it is? Yeah. Just so if someone who doesn't, what even know, I do, doesn't even know what you do. Like... I haven't published a new cookbook for a while, but essentially Quicksand Food is an independent regional cookbook publisher 
run by me and I contract people in to help me with publication publications and it's all independent. So most of the cookbooks that are on the shelves these days and most of the books that are out there are from large publishing houses that dominate the industry and then there's some independent publishers um, and it's notoriously difficult to make money as an independent publisher. So I sort of since 2013 was the first time I was fully in charge of a book. 2008 was the first time I was involved in the publication of a book. Um, and 2015 was when I started doing quicksand um, publishing full-time. And I've, I make independent regional cookbooks. We go around and uh, talk to chefs and producers and get them to contribute recipes and take photos and all these things and essentially just make these books that showcase food culture in different regions of New South Wales. And so, so far, we've covered uh, Canberra, the Illawarra, the South Coast and the Southern Islands. Amazing. So that's actually how you and I met was when uh, Stefan was doing the Illawarra cookbook, which is probably what most people in Wollongong uh, would know Steph for. So Steph approached us at Caveau to be involved and now we're here we are today. So mainly um, it's always regional areas you, you focus is. on. And was that yeah. a was that a decision from the start? Was 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 the was the company was you were you set up with a goal to do that? Like how did you actually start with, with the first book? Yeah, so like the the history of Quicksand is like a, a long a long story, really, because mm. it all started with my mum. My mum mm. start. My mum published the very, very first book in the Quicksand portfolio. And that was the capital. The capital cookbook, cookbook one. So, number one. As a background, my mum. Her name was Zorana Grbic. That's my Serbian side. She owned businesses in Canberra. Um, she had five cafes slash gourmet sandwich places. A couple of them were the cafes, and then a couple of them were in. Uh, food courts in shopping malls and they were called Rolls Choice and then at one stage she also great had name. a <laughs> it's great <laughs> great name they're still good still good rolls <laughs> I still remember the menu I still remember <laughs> what is on every single roll on the menu um, and she also had a cafe and a bar uh, a restaurant and a bar and yeah just very much involved in the hospitality world in Canberra and I was kind of one of those kids that you see fanging around the kitchens of mm. different restaurants and cafes that, that you that you go to and um Hospo owners out there who are parents know exactly what I'm talking about. Just like having their kids just, you know, mm. sit on the bonquettes or sleep on the bonquettes while, yeah, yeah. while while they're prepping or whatever it might be. So <clears throat> did she have history in publishing or writing or no. journalism or just decided to do yeah, no. a local cookbook? No. So, yeah. So, like, after, after mum sold her businesses, she sold her businesses in 2003, I think, 2003 or mm. early 2004. Um, and, and then like me and like anyone, like you or I, it's like you kind of, if you, if you sell a business, you kind of onto the next project, like you Mm. just need something to do. And she had seen similar sort of regional publications before. There was one in particular in Byron Bay and it, um, and, and it kind of did a similar thing, sort of showcased the region, bit of photography, some recipes from local chefs and restaurants and stuff like that. But we're like, it's like 2004, um, I don't know. The food world was a bit different back then. Like there wasn't such. I don't know. It doesn't yeah, seem the, like there was. The a, media wasn't probably the same. Yeah. Was, I guess it was probably more, more based on professional chefs and the kind of the the high end at that time. It wasn't the UK anyway. Yeah. Rather than those kind of local regional eateries. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, yeah, it was different. I guess this like the local food movement definitely wasn't as big. Mm. Um, and so, 
inspired by that and not having another job, having just sold her businesses, she um, published the Capital Cookbook number one um, and basically just sort of rang around her friends in the hospitality community mm. in Canberra and said, hey, like, I want to do this. Like, I want to publish a cool book and whatever. And she, like, you know, as you are, as like a, you know, a business owner and an entrepreneur of sorts, like, you just figure out how to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. So... You wing it. Yeah. Like, you know, my my dad, they weren't t- together at the time. They were divorced. But my dad had owned a camera shop for a long time. And um, that's kind of the photography side of me a little bit as well. Uh, but he, you know, employed a range of different photographers and stuff like that. So she found a, a mm. dude, Jeremy Rosdars, shout out, who did the photography for that first book. Uh, and then another good friend who worked for her in one of the um, cafes, Todd Haywood, big shout out as well, because he was um, <laughs> instrumental to helping me throughout, like my figuring out of the process was a graphic designer with experience mm. in publishing. So he helped in that regard as well. And then they just kind of knuckled down and got to it and figured out how to like write recipes and mm. you know you know enlisting services along the way to 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 help out and um getting this book together and it was actually that was my final year of school so like my mom and Todd and Jeremy were like chained to the to the to the massive dining table we had in our house making mm. this book while I was studying for my HSC mm. which was which was like quite interesting and cool of, of a yeah. time figuring it all out from it's, scratch it's a legit book like it's a legit glossy yeah. you know coffee table book like it kind of well, the, way, sell, the, way, like well, the way you made 3, it sound 000. was like like oh I winged it and there was you know someone found some paper and they a couple yeah. of paper clips on the side like it's it's a it's a very you know professional looking book yeah. for for what was a little uh, side hustle with, with when you haven't got much else to do yeah well exactly like and I think that who who's who's in there of, of, from of Canberra of note and so, it was still open yeah like so. Uh, Aubergine was in there. That was when Aubergine used to be owned by James Moussillon, who now owns Courgette in Canberra yeah, and yeah. a couple of other restaurants. Um, and I, I guess Ben Willis, who owns Aubergine now, is uh, used to work for James. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, Courgette was in there. A uh, place called Water's Edge, which is not there anymore. Uh, a place called Mezzalira, which is still there. That's mm. owned by uh, Pat Trimboli, who has Italian and sons down in Canberra down there now as well. Um, trying to think of uh, who else was in there that's like still around. Uh, Sharif from um, the Ottoman in Canberra yeah, okay. yeah. Um, was in the first one. A couple of a couple of other things, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a cool old sort of nostalgic nostalgic look at it. Mm. So that was the, Yeah, that was where it all started. That's how mm. it started. So that was that the the only one your mother did. No, she, did so like so so then what happened was mum. We sold that book. That book sold 3,000 copies or something like that, I believe. Sold that book and then um, she moved down to the South Coast. After that, we always had a house down the South Coast in Browley and she mm. moved down there. And then in 2008, she started publishing the South Coast Cookbook number one. Mm. Uh, and that was the one that she got me, me and my sister involved in. So... Uh, I was your apprenticeship was my first apprenticeship so yeah. yeah I was there for basically all the photo shoots we're going around all the restaurants taking photos shout out to all the businesses out there who remember that 2008 um, that book sold really well like obviously you look back on previous publications and you're like ah, it wasn't amazing and stuff like mm. that but um, you know we kind of figured it out and we sold 5,000 copies of that book too. Um, but like halfway through that process was when mum got diagnosed with ovarian cancer and basically I don't know. She passed away, I reckon, like nine months after that book was published. Mm. So we had 
me and my sister who both worked on that book, we sort of like inherited the business yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Like we still had a massive storeroom full of books that yeah. we had to sell. Like we had mm. to continue the business. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like we had all these books that, that needed selling. So mm. we sort of like continued the business from there. And so that yeah. leads you on to the South, the first book you did? Yeah, so I, I think like we we sold out of of that book, and we myself and my sister worked together to 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 finish that book off and sell it out and stuff like that. And there was a period there where I spent a couple of years overseas and stuff. And then when I got back to Canberra, I, I got back from overseas in Canberra in 2013. I then decided I wanted to publish a book myself. Mm. And that's when I did the first book that I directed from scratch, which was the Capital Cookbook number two. Mm. And that's when I was still living in Canberra. And so that's where I learned like what it really was to publish a book because yeah. I was like 25 and no one knew me. They mm. knew about the first Capital Cookbook and I could kind of take it along to meetings and be like, this was the first one, get involved in the second one. Because like one of the hardest parts is getting getting people to get on board yeah, in yeah. these books. Yeah, without those connections that your mum had originally. Exactly. So like I kind of like bullshitted my way into – pretending i knew what i was doing from the start um bringing that old book along and they were like yeah i remember this book yeah sure we'll get involved in that one but i guess like well, at least they knew a template of, of what you were doing yes yeah and 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 i did rem like i did sort of have relationships a little bit with some of the chefs and i think mm. i guess what one of the important things is and especially at the start one of the most important things about these books is like you need to get the credibility by enlisting like actually the best places. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like because if none of the top top places are involved, it just doesn't have the credibility that you need, I believe, yeah. to be able to sell well. And so I was like shitting myself at the start as yeah. a as a twenty five year old, not knowing any of these chefs in Canberra, like, you know, these guys have been in the game for a long time. Mm. Like guys like Josiah Lee who owns has owned chairman and yip in canberra for like it's probably like 40 years old yeah. now and like you know they've been they're they're much more experienced business people than yeah, i am yeah. so like rocking up with a, with a book that your mum published like <laughs> 10 years ago and saying hey we're gonna yeah, do another one like it was, um, was nerve-wracking yeah i mean we'll, we'll, before we get on to what it's like dealing, yeah. we're dealing with chefs a bit later but definitely i think you get you get a lot of like shit coming through your email address and through your door when you're in a restaurant. And there's like so many like made mm. made up awards. And like people yeah. like I remember talking to, like like really early on, we had a call from like GQ magazine and we were like, Fuck, how did like GQ come on oh my god? And they're like, Oh, we'd love to have you in the magazine, we're like sick. And then she's like, I'll just send some stuff through and it was like paid advertisement. But yeah. the way they made it out was like they they found us specifically and they love what we did and they were gonna write this like little spread up of us and it turned out it was like just six thousand dollars for a little tiny nice tiny Thanks, advertising. GQ. How so like yeah, so this like stuff comes through and then like random awards and things where like you can like one of the awards like had a price range of like if you pay the top price you got six trophies <laughs> <laughs> and if you pay the lower price you only got three trophies it's it like what the fuck like, so it's the way that i did it for the first book as well one of the little things that i used which was important to me but at the same time i think it helped me in that was that i connected that book to fundraising for ovarian cancer research yeah so yeah, yeah. i made it mandatory for every contributor to donate 300 bucks to ovarian cancer research i, I didn't take any money mm. and we gave two dollars from each book sold to that as yeah, well okay. yeah. and so that was good like it generated a lot of money but it was also like they were like like especially the people that knew my mum like they were 
they were pretty pretty on board to like yeah, support yeah, it. You know yeah, for I mean? sure. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, but yeah, keep going. Like, obviously, yeah, you guys get a lot of shit through your door. Yeah. So yeah. I think when when someone comes to you, then you're always kind of a bit. I mean, ring, um, especially yeah. Like I said you, you're twenty twenty five. Your kind of first cookbook. It's it's a lot of like, and people also come to you with a lot of ideas, which yeah. you just don't feel are going to come to fruition. Well, it's funny because I know like and. You could you can feel it from the first phone conversation or the mm. first meeting. You can cut the air with a knife because all people want to know is how much it's going to cost yeah, them. Yeah, that's yeah. like all they care about to start with. Like it doesn't matter what they're not going to listen to you unless they know yeah. is this going to cost me money? Yeah, how or much? or and if so, then maybe what is it and how much? Sometimes it's like is this going to cost me money or not? Because if it is, I'm not interested no matter what it is. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So the so just you want to run through the the books you've done since and possibly okay, the, yeah, the so, years they were they were released. So that was some reference points. 20, 2013 was the Capital Cookbook 2. Mm-hmm. 20 uh, and then so I I I did that that was kind of like a Essentially, I published that book because I got back from overseas and I didn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, and then when I finished, like actually making the book, and I was just selling it. I just had one book to sell. Like it's not a full time job, just selling one mm. book. So I went back into hospitality and did that for a couple of years while I was selling that book. But then I got sick of hospitality, and I was like, "All right, it's time to actually have a crack at this full time." And yeah. so that was in 2015. So in 2015, <laughs> I went back down the coast. And started work on the South Coast cookbook number two. Yeah. So that was 2015. Then in 2016, that was when I was like, okay, Quicksand Publishing, Quicksand Books is going to be my full-time job for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So 2016, I published the first was the Southern Highlands cookbook. That was first. And then in the back end of 2016, I published the Capital Cookbook number three. Then in 2016, 17, I published the Illawarra cookbook. Yeah. And in 2018, I published Farm to Flame, which was not a regional cookbook. It was about a place, I guess, but it was for mm. Bistro Officina, the restaurant in Bowral that's now closed. Um, and I haven't made any more books since then. So you looked out four off the bat, pretty pretty sharpish. Yeah. And then didn't do any more. Yeah. What, what should we read into that? So four, four <laughs> between, yeah, four between, yeah, fifteen and eighteen. So do you, do you have to set aside a, a year per book almost to make it? Yeah. Uh, you can do it in less. Yeah. It sort of depends on how many contributors there are. Yeah. Because it, like it's like making these books is all a balancing act, right? Because like number one, people don't want to pay to be in the book. Yeah. Right. But every contributor to a book costs me money yeah so i need to if i don't photograph photograph it myself i need to employ a photographer Mm. to do that photo shoot then i need to edit their edit their recipes and do all the administration with just them to get me the recipes because Mm. chasing recipes from a chef is one of the (laughs) banes of my existence that i do not miss from (laughs) publishing these cookbooks i employ a copy editor who edits the recipes and gets them prepared for production. Mm. Then every page, so every recipe is two pages um, and you can divide a book by the number of pages in it in terms of how much it costs. So I can't just put an unlimited amount of contributors into a book. It needs to be balanced to a point where it's cost effective for me and whatever. And like that can be mitigated by asking contributors to 
pay to to be involved in it or or providing them incentives for them to contribute so Mm. i've done things like that in the past like provided incentives for them to contribute financially like doing like full photo shoots for like a decent price and stuff like that um and that's something we can talk about later um yeah so hold on where where, what was the what was the question (laughs) um what was the question? <laughs> we, we, we don't think we were just talking generally there. Talking I was, I, generally. I was, I was gonna. I was talking about just how you did four books in a in a in a in a row of quite a short space of time. We yeah, did four, we did four books over four three and a half four years. Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe we'll just go. So it's to, all a balancing act. Yeah. So yeah, basically, it's it's just all a balancing act, and the amount of time that's what you were talking about. Mm. How long it takes. The amount of time is dependent on the number of contributors and how much content there yeah. is in a book, essentially. Yeah. But you can do it in like, I reckon. Look. Start to finish, I reckon I could do one in nine months, which yeah. includes two months turnaround of printing. So yeah. it takes it takes a book a minimum of two months to be printed. So when you send it to the printers from when it's delivered to your door in mm. big pallets, uh, that is a two month process. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we'll just we'll go back to when you decide. So for example, let's go for the Illawarra cookbook. When you decided to to do a book in this area, what what was what was your first steps from there? I just started researching the best venues, yeah. essentially. So, like, first thing you look at is who's got hats, and that yeah. was you. Yeah. Uh, and then other places that I already knew about. So, mm-hmm. I knew about Babyface. I knew about Rookie. I knew about Harbourfront. Yeah. I knew about Lagoon, yeah. which didn't make it <laughs> in the book. Uh, I knew mm-hmm. about a few other other venues. And so, yeah. you sort of start – I start with making a list, so, essentially. So, yeah, so contacting – is is your first your first yeah. spot? Well, just making a list. So, like before, I, even before I start contacting, I make a list yeah, of okay. like, and I have it divided up into like it's a spreadsheet. Like it turns out, it, yeah. it ends up being a huge spreadsheet, which is the the sort of the bible for the whole publication. Yeah, yeah. But I have like definitely want in the book restaurant section potentially can go in the book. Yeah. Don't care if they are or they're not, but maybe probables and possibles. Pro- probables and possibles and yeah. stuff like that. And so once you once I've sort of like got that list together then I like really start. But what I figured out through the rest of them was talking to people like yourself, mm. like asking the chefs that have hats and the ones that are like really well established and things like that yeah. who who should go in the book is a really good way of making a list. And you really help with that. And Timmy Day helped with that too. Yeah, Shout yeah. out to it was, Timmy it Day. Was really interesting because I think yeah, myself and Tim, maybe like a couple of weeks before you contacted us, we were just like having some drinks and talking about doing something similar, maybe not on quite a professional scale, but getting together a kind of guidebook, um, recipe book of local bars and restaurants. And we literally, we, we made a list of all the places we thought should be in. So when you contacted us, for one, it was like, oh, thank God, we haven't got to do it. Because it was something before we like, there was a drunken chat that, that might, have, might have gone somewhere else, which would have taken a lot of time. Um, also, we had like a list ready to go. Yeah. Something is handed over to you. Yeah, um, exactly. That was perfect. And then so, I just kind of added a couple more bits and pieces. But it was perfect yeah. to have you guys there because I was also like, oh, what do you think of this place? Like, mm. and, and stuff. And like, yeah, I don't know. That's something we can talk about in a sec, but choosing places is fucking hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's going to be the, the makeup of the book um, of, of where you can get and who, who you choose and who's actually in it, I guess. Mm. Um, so from, from once you've got some interest... Um, and you might have locked some people in. Is, is it, is, I imagine it's a bit of a jump then to actually go, okay, let's start doing this. Yeah, so like once you make that first phone call to a place saying, hey, I'm making a book, then you're locked in and you're making the book. Yeah, You know what yeah. I mean? There's not really any pulling out from then. Yeah. Generally, when I have my list organized, I also then have in mind when a 
schedule of photography would would happen Mm -hmm. so like the next step from there is scheduling photo shoots yeah so say there's like 40 contributors in the illawarra cookbook i had to schedule 40 photo shoots and i try to actually schedule this like what i figured out the most efficient way to do it because chefs are so hard to talk to is and to organize things with is i try to do it in that first conversation and it's generally not a first conversation it's usually a first meeting yeah so the call and then i'm like can i just like i I literally refined after all the experience of publishing the other books i Mm. refined my pitch yeah to this is what my pitch was it was i'm making a hardcover regional publication payment paying to be involved the, the first most important thing paying to be involved is optional yeah and all I need is to come in and spend five minutes with you to show you the books that I've done in the past yeah. and we can go from there. Mm. And usually people would give you the five minutes and just say, just come in, I'm here yeah, now, yeah. just come in. And then I come in with the books and just say, this is what I'm doing and and then go from there. And, yeah. then, and then it's at that time that I try to schedule a, schedule a photo shoot. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think when you contacted us, for one, I think you contacted us at a really good time because we had just taken over Caveau we're all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, yeah. and up for everything. We're like, oh, book, yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll help. <laughs> yeah. Yay. So we were pretty green. I think I think we're still pretty, uh, generally pretty excited about people doing excited things, but probably a little bit more jaded since then. Well, it's interesting. Like, you just get such a diversity of responses from different yeah. chefs. Like, I've had in the past everything from like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll definitely get involved. Like, to, to... Like, who are you kidding yourself, mate? Like, fuck <laughs> off. Like, to like, I remember Who's one guy told me, book? told me that like, this was like, a, like I've tried many a business model in the past. Mm. So basically, one time, I think it was for the South Coast book, I tried to charge particip- like participants, like contributors. It was three hundred bucks, mm. and like. And it's not because I'm greedy and it's not because whatever. It's like the only way for these businesses to be a successful business model is to have some form of second income stream other than just yeah. selling cookbooks. Yeah. Because other than other, otherwise, it does not work. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to charge... 300 bucks and what we'd do is we'd do a full photo shoot and give them all the photos and it's yeah. like it's like it just it costs you way more to, to yeah, take I those did, photos did. anyway it's 300 bucks is the cheapest photo shoot you'll ever get mm. um and one guy was like nah mate like that's like that's like my my suppliers coming to me and giving me them giving me their stuff and me saying i'm going to charge you for me to use your produce and I'm like, no, it's not quite like that. Actually, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, especially if you're giving something that's tangible value, like the photo, like the photos. Like, yeah, that, exactly. That's, that's Let alone, the, like, I mean, it's worth the money anyway. Yeah, like, it's funny. Like, I don't know. Advertising's a funny thing. Like, I don't work in the advertising world, but I've done mm. a bit of the marketing world and stuff like that. And I can guarantee you that, like, being in a like being featured in a cookbook that's a hardcover publication that sits on people's shelves for a decade will provide you a lot better advertising than like a ad in a paper that gets thrown yeah, away or, yeah, an, or a sure. click online yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. like i mean i don't even try to market advertising to people really yeah, yeah. i just try to sell them photos yeah. it's just something of marketing and advertising it, it's a it's a hard it's it's not very tangible it's not in your hand it's and, not and, at all. and it's very hard to link um you know extra income from something like that but i mean the fact that like 
all the top companies and business in the world spend a lot of money on advertising. I know. Kind of shows that it's like, exactly. there might, might be something to this. Yeah, there might be something in <laughs> it. Knows? Yeah. Um, yes. So um, I guess we'll move into... Um, I want to talk about the, like, how, how many hours you actually would put into a book. Oh, shit. And you might not want to know this. No, I don't. And then there's an estimate. Oh, hours in total or hours every like, week or whatever? I'm trying to work out if you're getting paid the award or not. I definitely haven't <laughs> been paid the award for a lot of the books that I've... Yeah. I definitely haven't been. So, I mean, so like, there's there's been periods. I reckon in 2016. So, 2016 was the hardest I worked on Quicksand Publishing yeah. because I was determined to complete two books in a year. Yeah. So, like... We can talk about. Should we talk about the the, the well, finances? That's what we're going to move into. Yeah, yeah it was and, and you know obviously working out how much of a labor of love is this uh, to you know compared to actual financial gain. Okay, so like a good a good start point and like the way that I figure out what I do is that I figure out how much I sell a book for mm. and then how much money how much money I can make. Yeah, like so. Let's call it, and it's close enough. The wholesale price for a book is twenty five dollars. Yeah. So a book retail price is is forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Like most of mine are forty bucks, mm. and the wholesale price is a forty percent discount. That's standard in yeah. publishing. Yeah. The so more or less it's twenty five bucks. Most of the books that I print, I print four thousand copies. Okay. Approximately, like more or less. Yeah. So twenty five bucks times four thousand is a hundred thousand dollars turnover. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I can do a hundred thousand dollars turnover, and then I need to figure out, okay, well, how much is this book going to cost me to make? Yeah. And how much do I want to make out of it for my time? Yeah. And yeah. that's how I kind of that's the very very basic starting point of how the business yeah. model works. Yeah. For sure. So printing usually costs around somewhere between twenty and twenty five grand. Right, and then the rest of my resources, uh, like, is you know, photography, graphic yeah, design, yeah. copy editing, distribution, like advertising, like all that mm. stuff comes into the budget. But I, I sort of like figured to myself at the start, I was like, all right, if I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars turnover with this book, then I w- I'm going to I'm going to try to spend fifty and yeah. make fifty, yeah, yeah, and work for approximately a year yeah you know what i mean like make 50 grand that year but mm. like let's you know be real um i was definitely working more than more than more than 38 hours a week yeah exactly with with, with a lunch break (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and then so then like you know my stupid mind of 2016 was like well if i can make two books this year then (laughs) instead double the money instead of making 50 grand this year i could make 100 grand this year yeah yeah. (laughs) but that almost like fucking broke me because i um did you do them back to back or on like on top of each other we turned to two at the same time so no so what happened was i started the southern highlands cookbook at the very beginning of the year Mm. completion date was july sent to print in july two month turnaround for printing yeah as soon as i sent that book to print i started photo shoots for the capital cookbook yeah well and then completed those photo shoots for the capital cookbook that book came back in august september or something like that this is Mm. approximate like and Mm. then and then i'd finished by that time i'd finished the photo shoots for the capital cookbook launched the southern highlands cookbook finished making the capital cookbook printed that launched that before christmas so that was, I, I think in 2016, I probably had, I mean, I probably had 10 weekends when I wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or something like that. Like I was working seven days a week for the majority of the year. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, know, I know what it feels like. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's pretty intense. I mean, and, and 
to, I mean, to make like what would be considered a good wage, you'd have to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, did that not dawn on you during that year? That, that was that was like, I don't know. I, I guess I was like prepared for that at the start to, in order to start my business. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I think you have to, you and have it's to, a learning experience. Yeah. So, like, to, if I if I was to start again, like if I was to do a new, another book now, mm. I think that I've had enough experience to figure out how to make it so I could balance, I could balance my time with yeah my my value like and and how much money that I make yeah and yeah. and a part of that is based on how many books sell how yeah. many books like actually sell and how you actually um, make money because. 4000 is a bit of a number just sort of like plucked out of thin air. It mm. it seems to be it seems to be approximately what, accurate what you can sell, yeah. Yeah, but like for example, I printed 4000 of the Capital Cookbook number 3 mm. and then recently printed another 2000. Yeah, okay. And then and so it's that extra 2000 is when I can you, actually make some money. Yeah, you, yeah. You know that, what I mean? That's your profit. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And then it's the same as uh the South Coast Cookbook 2. The first one I did in 2015, I printed 3,800 of those and then printed, like, subsequently printed another 2,000. Yeah. So, like, they, they're also, so, but, like, when it comes to printing, I could print more than, I could print, like, if I printed 6,000, it's much cheaper for me to print those than it is to, for me to print yeah, 4,000, yeah. then 2,000. But if it's going to take you three years to sell the last couple of thousand. Yeah. But then also, like, with that extra, then I can use that for advertising. Mm. So it all it all sort of is like balancing and trying to figure out how yeah, many yeah. you can sell. But it's like you know if I if I say my turnover for six thousand books is X amount, like it's mm. one hundred twenty five thousand yeah. dollars or something like that, then I can use ten thousand of that for advertising, which will hopefully sell those books a year faster than yeah, yeah. if I didn't have that advertising money mm. and stuff. So, so what what things little 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 bits have you kind of learned over the years that you would put into place in your next book? Um, I think if I was to make another book, are we talking to make money or to, well, to, to, make, to make a money, better to, book? To make money to make your to make a better book, yeah, whatever, or even even just some more general things you've learned in business, in in selling, in in you know even just photography or dealing with people. I think that to make money, I'd probably be a little bit more. I'd probably want people to contribute more money because yeah. it's just not a viable business model otherwise and i think that like now i've got a big enough portfolio and a successful enough yeah. portfolio to to warrant like asking asking a bit more from contributors mm -hmm. because fucking I, I haven't i haven't asked for much in the past yeah if anything yeah it was like and was it 300 bucks for the Illawarra one? Well, yeah. And what like we, we did all the photos and things like that. Yeah. Like what we did back then was like, it was like you could do like you, a you medium sized yeah, photo shoot. We did it, three yeah. different packages. Yeah, like yeah. you do like, depending on the photo shoot, like you could do like a full thing where we photograph your venue and your menu yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And that was a bit more. Yeah. Um. So maybe asking a little bit more from contributors and maybe being like, maybe asking more tri more contributors to be involved and not necessarily caring too much if certain people said no because they didn't want to contribute the money like just mm. actually having that in my head where it's like i actually need this money in order to make this business work and if it means losing x cafe or restaurant from the publication yeah i'm happy to do that because this business isn't going to work otherwise and i need to sort of prioritize myself a little mm. bit mm. um so that's one thing the second thing that i'd 
that I've looked into in the past but I haven't been successful in doing is getting getting government funding and right. and getting getting and and I, I'd like to look into that further mm. because like for example my cookbooks are sold at every tourist center in all these regions yeah I have a relationship with the managers of these tourist centers and the people that 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 actually like are on the front lines of marketing the mm. region yeah and they choose my books independently like i i get requests from tourist centers independently who people have just seen my books and go like we want to sell them yeah and it does promote the region yeah for sure you know what i mean and there's a lot of funding put into things that promote the region that could be the smallest little thing like there are cultural grants out there there are tourism grants out there and mm. things like that and to be able to collaborate with a you know a council or a number of councils or you know state government or whatever it is mm. to be able to secure funding to actually like give these publications what they need to yeah. be fucking awesome and 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 be really really like just distributed vastly yeah. like through the regions yeah. that would be something that could be really beneficial yeah, that and, i need to look into re- more regional areas are we would just generally pretty bereft of any of any kind of good um, more organic marketing like that. It's it's always like yeah. little tourism plans or well, like, that's it. Like it's like it's a like, guide a guidebook and like like we're always in the like little like Wollongong guidebook. Well, I don't ever really see it anywhere. Yeah. Like well, there's count like there's other places that have done it. Like there's councils that sort of take the initiative themselves and they're like, okay, mm. we're going to do this project. And like the amount of resources they must spend on doing it, but they but they don't do it right because it's just too hard for a council to do. Mm. And they're mm. not like councils aren't book publishers yeah, yeah you know what i mean like they're just getting people that work yeah. there to try to do it yeah so like they spend money on that but mm. i don't know like but i mean like like the the wollongong visitors guide like has some oh well, actually sorry it's actually got probably quite quite a lot of your photos in it anyway because everyone provides <laughs> My the, photos you, the photos you did for it they're getting um, re- recycled yeah because yeah. <laughs> like, i know the photos we've, we've given them but would have been ones you've taken um but like you're not gonna for one you wouldn't give that as a gift to someone You'll be like exactly. I've got you the Wollongong Visitor Center guide. You're welcome. Yeah. But like a, a you know a cookbook, you, you can give it as a gift. You can you give it to people. It can be it can just be shown somewhere. It can be yeah. it can be sold. It has kind of so many. Well, more, that's the more thing. It's it. like I can like if I was to approach a council about doing it, I could actually be like, here is a model for how much money. Like if you invest this amount of money in in this publication, this is how much money your council stands to make from the publication not not talking about like intangible tourist assets mm. i'm talking about like if your council logo was on this book and like you were you know invested in this publication yeah. you this is how many books that i've sold through tourist centers in your council yeah, so yeah. far and this is how much money you've made yeah and then think about the council the, the gifts that you give as mm. as an organization to people if you had these books that you're invested in as yeah. your gift at a wholesale price or at even more than a discounted wholesale pr- price yeah. this is that's the cost of them compare that to what you're currently paying for mm. gifts this is like these are the other you know avenues under which you'll you'll literally be just this is just money this is just numbers yeah, yeah. so like if you invest 10 grand in me here i'll show you on paper yeah it's, where you'll make that 10 grand yeah, back yeah yeah so like there's yeah there's definitely opportunity. Yeah, there. I know when, when we go up to do podcasts with people in Sydney, sometimes you'll uh, you'll take a little book along and uh, and, and give, give it them to as them a gift as a little gift. But yeah. I guess it's always a good way because they're not gonna. I mean, maybe some of them throw it out, 
Well, they're not going to throw it out. Well, exactly. throw it out. They might do it through real assholes, but we yeah. haven't really interviewed depends any how assholes. Much, so. Depends how much they like us after the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I mean, that, that's probably going to sit on a shelf somewhere you know, where someone will, will see it. And like for Wollongong especially, it's always just a struggle to get people to think of Wollongong as somewhere to go. Like, yeah. like some like it's just, you know it's pretty different to Sydney. It's a yep. different vibe. Like it, it's worth coming from Sydney down to Wollongong for a weekend because mm. it'll be a laugh and it's something different to do. Mm. But it's really hard to get people to think about that. They'll go to the Southern Highlands, they'll go further down, or they'll go to Canberra, or you know Hunter Valley, all these other places. When Wollongong's kind of on the doorstep, so anything that just kind of jogs people people's memory, or they can look through and be like, oh fuck. Well, one's got a cool little vibe going on. Like, look at that place. That's sick. Yeah. Like, any little jog of a memory for someone maybe to come down and come hang out and party with us. Mm. I think it's always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. So, one of the things I really liked that you did with the Illawarra cookbook is you kind of used uh, sort of four different tones to the photography yeah. and the layout to kind of represent the region. What kind of things do you take into consideration? How do you, like, translate what a region is into, you know, into a publication like that? Yeah, so... Like the design, the the graphic design is like one of the most important things mm. to to the book. Like I think I think the reason that the books are successful, and I think it's worth mentioning that like the books actually are successful. Yeah, like I yeah. kind of maybe seem to be talking about them as if like it's it's all a pain in the ass and it's all too hard mm. and it's not worth it and I don't make any money. Like I mean, the reality is is that despite maybe not fucking being rich, like I've I've supported myself and built mm. a business like that's lasted for five years yeah. purely based on these cookbooks yeah you know what i mean like i haven't done anything else mm. um so that's that's success what about all the podcast money we're making yeah well, <laughs> we made a hundred bucks once <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so like it is successful yeah you, yeah you know what i mean and and there's and there's a lot that goes into that but i think that like one of the first things that i try to do is 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 you just have to make stuff quality Mm. like you just have to like like and especially when you're selling a cookbook it's like if it's going to be in dimmicks and so my books are in dimmicks like in every region that that i've covered and they're in dimmicks on george street in sydney next to all the best cookbooks in yeah. the fucking 20 world 20 different Otolenghi exactly Otolenghi ones all, and Jamie all, Oliver all ones and whatever and it's like if you're going to do something that's subpar that doesn't stand up quality yeah. wise it's not going to sell and yeah. you need well, to people invest aren't, people aren't going to stock, place like that's not going to stock it because it's going to they, well, they, exactly. they take one look at it and go that's exactly right these people look at books all day and they decide whether or not they want to buy yeah. them yeah. and um and that's yeah, exactly. Like it, it needs to be quality. If you're gonna take if you if you take shortcuts in quality, it, like it's just not going to work. And so mm. the the major things, like the, the the three components to producing quality, is good photography, good graphic design, and quality materials. So hardcover, like embellishments, quality paper. Those are the those are the things that yeah. that make a quality cookbook. But like. The quality of graphic design, like photography and graphic design, I'd put in the same boat, but like the quality of graphic design. And before I do anything, let's shout out to Tess Godkin, who's been like the best photographer that I've ever, ever worked with. I mean, one of the only ones, but like she's shot, she shot the South Coast, she shot the Capital Cookbook too. She shot the South Coast Cookbook, well, half of it, I did half of it. Um, She shot most of the Illawarra Cookbook. And she's just fantastic, and she taught me so much. Like mm. I literally would not be a photographer now if it wasn't for Tess. Yeah, yeah. Like no, the reason great. I can take food photos now is because of Tess, and yeah. and doing hundreds of photo shoots together, mm. which is awesome. Um, but then, yeah, then graphic design comes into it. So Linear Hedeborg, 
shout out to Lydia who I first engaged for the Southern Highlands cookbook and then we did the Capital cookbook together, then we did the Illawarra cookbook together, then we did Farm to Flame together. Mm. She really took the graphic design to the next level and educated me on how important it is and how you can go about creating something that works really well when you you dig into the core of what a place is and try to find ways of representing that so and and her creativity and her ability to design design things and use space and um you know use interesting little historical artifacts from regions in books Mm. that you wouldn't even notice but they, it, when it comes together, it, it's seamless and, yeah. and it looks really cool. It make, makes it more than just a, you know, a recipe pamphlet. Exactly. You know, I guess it, that's kind of what makes it a book yeah. rather, rather than just a list. Yeah, well, that's it. And like most of these things, so like we'll talk about the Illawarra cookbook, most of these things were like Linear's ideas. So the when you look at the cover, the, the, the typography of the Illawarra cookbooks, this font called Railroad Gothic, mm. which was like this bold font that was used to stamp into railway sleepers from an old steel mill <laughs> and we're a steel city like mm. and that's where she decided to sort of use that yeah and even though it looks like that decision wasn't made that th- those are the small sort of things that, yeah. that that really bring something to a publication mm. and then the second thing was the chapter layout so um in the Illawarra, we have like three obvious environments we have the mountains we have the land and we have the sea yeah like it can't be any more simple than that like for where we live and so she divided the book into chapters and it wasn't expressed in explicit terms it wasn't expressed in like this is the chapter about the mountains no it wasn't it was just expressed in color palette Mm. and 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 photography and stuff like that so if you look in the illawarra cookbook the colors are different between each chapters um and it's green for the mountains and sort of like red and orange for the land and, and blue and stuff for the sea. Mm. And it like you, we don't even explicitly say that that's what this yeah, is. Yeah. It think, just comes out in yeah. the book. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure like you told me and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's what sort of makes it work. And, and, and that's how you go about sort of like representing a region. Like, yeah. And that's what Linnea did for me for all of these publications. Like for the Southern Highlands book, she like – looks into the history of the Southern Highlands and thinks about fonts that 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 marry with you know the different estates like she might have found a font that just just fits in perfectly and and the aesthetic and the, yeah. the the illustrations that are in the book and things like that so that's a part of it and then also i guess that's where sort of photography comes in as well which is the really explicit sort of representation of mm. what that region looks like but i guess with photography as well it's like you need to like I mean, for every photo that's in a book, there's 10 photos that aren't used. Yeah, yeah. There's so many photos that we've got and, and it's a, like a part of it, the art is selecting those photos to sort of convey that, that visual message and get that visual consistency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's one of those things with design. People wouldn't explicitly have that knowledge of, of what makes a good cookbook. So it is kind of... Um, it's something you, you notice when it's, it's good versus bad, but you don't notice all those little small things that go into making it good. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of, it's a hard thing where, again, it's, it's kind of like like pro- providing value to people. People go, oh, it's a cookbook. It's a photo. It's a recipe. <laughs> like, and they're, they're seeing like, why, why have I got to pay 300 bucks for it? But there's these little things, these decisions that go into something that's making something quality. Like, like you know, said so like having good quality paper. Yes. Like it's, it's not something most people would think about. But it makes a massive difference when you pick up a book. Well, like, you can feel it straight away. 
the difference between good quality and bad quality paper, like good quality and average quality paper, and and like it can almost sometimes be something that you wouldn't notice, but I would mm. if you immediately looked at it. But that can be like multiple thousand dollar decision. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And I can notice it, but you might not be able to, but you pay the extra. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like there's it it, it gets down to like pretty nitty gritty when it comes to that sort of decision making. Yeah, when when soon something's multiplied by four thousand. Exactly. It's you know I always, always think about like when when Tom and I replaced the cutlery at Caveau. And then <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, how much how was a fork cost? And I'm like, I already know. How much does a fork cost? <laughs> um but when you've got to buy enough for a 50-seater restaurant to do a 10-course menu, it's like thousands and thousands of dollars yep. on a shit ton of fucking knives and forks. Mm. Um, and it's one of the things, that I suppose, one of the earliest awakenings of like scaling, like scale of things. Like a fork's four bucks. We've yeah. need a thousand of them. It's funny. I always think, I always think to like, yeah, the, those... So the, the, the classic example is, have you ever picked up like an old Coke can and it's really heavy? Yeah. It's like oh, really yeah, yeah, heavy yeah. aluminium. Yeah. So like the raw material, like so a Coke can used to weigh double what it does now. Yeah, And right. just the cost of the raw materials of the aluminium. So like now Coke cans are like yeah, the, the, the thin, thinnest yeah, yeah. aluminium. Yeah, like, like You can tear they, them they like paper. Put, like, But if they could put one less gram or one yeah. less half a gram of aluminium into the can, mm. it would translate into millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Even like things, like things on that scale, it's even like the weight of freighting it. Yeah, is like if you take take a gram away from everything, they're going to save this much on fuel. Yeah, exactly. Like like, like it's tiny little little yeah. point points of percentage yeah. that make a big difference. And I, mean, I think like obviously that's a, a kind of monetary example, but that makes a difference in quality. Yeah, uh, like across the board, across all all, all businesses, all industries, little one percents, and they they add up to to make make that you know that five percent yeah. that makes you better than and someone it's else. Full, like that's what it's full of them. Like that's what they like these publications are full of it's like mm. these little decisions that are like all right it's going to cost me money but i have to do it because it's going to be a better publication for it yeah yeah you know so when you have finished your nine months of work um and the book is finally printed and in your hand what what is that was that feeling like is, is it is it uh, you know <laughs> um is it just relief or is it kind of um it's strangely anticlimactic, eh? Yeah, right. So, like, <laughs> so what they do is, so the bulk shipment. So when mm. you get your four thousand books, it's like it comes on pallets via sea freight. Yeah. Um, but they they ship you uh, advanced copies via airmail. Okay. So you get like, you get a couple of you get a couple of copies mm. like a month before the rest are due. And like that's the moment of like yeah, opening yeah. it up and yeah. like looking at the book and stuff like that. In my experience, and it's it sucks, but one of the first things that happens is you notice a, mess, a, a mistake. <laughs> it's so <laughs> fucked up. But like there are mistakes in all my books. Shout out if you fucking have seen one because there's plenty of them. But like there's, I, I dare say that there's mistakes in every book. Well, yeah, and yeah. Is it, is it, is it all, all books or just you? <laughs> I think it's all books, eh? Like there are definite mistakes yeah. in all books. I mean, I so can't... like, they like, you think about it. Like, you think about an index. Yeah, yeah. For every every item, every food item that is in an index, you have to get the correct page number. Like, mm. there definitely can be mistakes, yeah, and I've made yeah. some fucking okay. whopping mistakes in my time that are much more than just 
an index like an index mistake. mistake I don't but, think. But yeah, like there are mistakes in books. Like yeah. for example, there are mistakes in recipes. So there was a mistake in a recipe where I'm not even going to tell. You. Should I tell you which book it is? Uh, I think I think you told me before this one. There was a mistake in a recipe that was a cookie. Yeah, you can look it up in which book it is. But it's a it's a recipe for cookies, and for some reason I don't know how we fucking lost it. But the flour in the recipe just got removed, and there's no flour in the yeah, recipe right. in the book, so the recipe's fucked. Yeah, you can't make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be one of the harder things to to get to get right is the recipes because of because so, someone hard. else is providing them. And even just looking through them, just to just to spell check. Yeah, you obviously you're not going to miss something that maybe should have been there if the, if yeah. the person who's written it was missed. Yeah, it. Totally. Let, we'll get, let's get onto that in a second. But like, you, you were asking about what the feeling is like when you get it yeah. and whatever, yeah. and it's like, yeah. So you do notice mistakes, but I guess like, hopefully, like one of the first things you're looking at colors. Colors mm-hmm. is really important. So you go through this like really big color proofing process to make sure that you get all the colors right in the book and stuff. Right, so okay. like you want to make sure that you've got your colors right. Like there's color studios that do, and I've spent money on them before. Like you can spend, I spent like, you know, three grand or something like that on a color studio to ensure, like to liaise with the printer to ensure right, that my okay. colors were spot on. Yeah. And it's an expensive investment, but that's another one of those one percenters when it comes to quality. Like mm. a lot of the time, like you can just, go with what you've got or mm. you can use professional people who like literally they're a color studio yeah and they talk to printers all day about how to get the colors right and okay that's what they do yeah okay so you're you're doing one last proof when you get that yeah when, when you, you get, get that copy well you can't like you can't proof it that's it that's what you get right there's okay. no changes from there so you just, yeah. you just you're just doing it for self-flagellation you just at look point. at it yeah you just look <laughs> at it. yeah you're just looking at it but um like with the colors like it's like it, it depends on what paper you use and what printer okay. the printer uses. Yeah, right. And that's why you use a color studio. Mm. Um, so yeah, so like you're looking at colors, and and then like like the majority of my publications, I've been like, fuck yeah, sweet, mm. it looks good. This yeah. is the book that I envisaged. It's awesome to have it in my hand. I think it'll sell, and cool. Like it's just annoying that those mistakes. Like if you do notice a small mistake, it's like, yeah, oh, shit. It sort of takes away from the experience. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. No, I'd hate that. that but would, um, that, would, that would kill it for me. That would, that would be my whole year. That hasn't. That <laughs> that's not all. All my books. Like like most of my books are fine. Actually, yeah, there's yeah. only been a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't noticed any in any of the books I looked at. Not not so, most. Most go. people don't notice them, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the worst thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I don't know. It's good. And then like during that time, you're kind of planning the launch and you're planning. Um, Retailers, like I guess the retailers, are the whole other side of it as well. Mm. It's like how the fuck I sell these things. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, you know, I, I now, luckily, especially in the regions that I, you know, work in, I'm lucky to have really good relationships with my retailers. And I think mm. that's one of the benefits of being independent. It's like me, it's the guy, and they just call me, and I'm like, hey, Mari, you want some more books? And they're like, yeah, you take some more books. And yeah, I guess already having that relationship, you can just be like, I've got another book. And they're, yeah. then they're going to stock it. Yep. And like, and now I'm at the point where like people are like constantly asking if they're gonna, if like, when's the next one coming out? When's the next one coming? For all mm. my books, people are like, when's the next one coming yeah, out? When's yeah. the next one coming out? Mm. And stuff. So there's demand, which is which is kind of cool. And like, lo- like it's taken me this long, but luckily I'm at a point now where I'm like, I can be confident in talking to chefs about a publication and getting yeah. them involved, and I can be confident going to retailers and getting them on board. Mm. But like when I was doing my first books and trying to sell them, I was literally just walking into shops with a book in, under my arm and saying, hey, do you want to sell this book? Yeah. And it's hard That's like, yeah, when that's, you're 25. And it's pretty weird just to be rock up with like your product 
Like, yeah, like, like kind under of under your arm and be like, and like you got to figure out how it works. Like yeah. I know now how book retail works, but like yeah. you have to figure it out. You and like I didn't even know what a, that there was such a role as a book buyer. Yeah, previously, like I mean, it sounds normal when you say the word book buyer, but mm. that's the person you're looking for. You're looking for who the buyer <laughs> yeah, is, exactly, the yeah, person yeah. that makes I mean, the decisions. Everyone has different systems of how they how they how like, they buy and how they bring things in. Yeah. Like whether it's centralized or if it's you know per store or like what they do. So yeah, we're working out those ins and outs. Mm. Um, is, is something especially if you haven't got someone teaching as you were if you're just winging it mm. it can be uh, like a little bit Im- embarrassing when you're trying to go in somewhere and you know what you want to do it's like all I want to do is have you buy this book mm. but I don't know the words to say and the order to say them and who to say them to yeah. to make that <laughs> That's happen exactly right so can we just make this easier well I didn't even know what the discount's supposed to be yeah like yeah. at the start I'm like how the fuck like how, what's the wholesale price like and yeah. I, you know that sort of thing mm. there's there's all sorts of things there's like firm sale there's consignment and yeah, there's yeah. cash uh, what's the other one Sale or return, like mm. there's different pay, like terms, yeah, yeah, like and and things like that, like that you don't know. Unless yeah, you talk yeah. To people, I mean, sim- similar when I first you know, took over Cravo and had to do a wine list and buy wine and price wine and cost wine, and I'd never done before. I knew about wine, but I didn't know those ins and outs. So it's basically learning on the fly and learning what these like you know LUC stood for and like like how yeah. to co- how to communicate with people in the industry. So you don't sound like a fucking noob, mm. and that—that's all. You're just like, I just want to sound like a noob, and I mm. want you to buy the book. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I just want to get some wine and put it on the list. After that's fine. But the, like- the beauty of it, though, like, and what the cool thing has been is that if people don't know what you do, then they might be skeptical to start with. Mm. But the undeniable thing is that the books sell. Yeah. So, yeah. like in these regions, because of the fact that they're unique to all the bookshops that are here, like. There's not that many local publications that are yeah. made by a local organization that are about the local area. If they are, they might be books like photographic journals in yeah, a sense yeah. of, of like here's photos of Kayama mm. or what, whatever it might be. But there's nothing like the South Coast cookbook. Yeah. So you might be like and, – and they tick a lot of boxes when it comes to people buying them. Like it can be – like you don't have to be into food to buy it for someone as a gift. Yeah. yeah you know exactly. what I mean? Like well, it's, it's, it's representation of the area. Well, exactly, as yeah. Well as and so they do sell really well. Like yeah. I've, I've got retailers that sell more of my book than they do of most of their other cookbooks. Yeah, right. Yeah. So mm. like in – when I launched the Southern Highlands cookbook, Mari from the bookshop in Barrel, like one of the big bookshops on Bong Bong Street, the main street of Barrel, mm. she put my book in the window and they sold like hundreds and hundreds of copies of yeah, that wow. book like before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and killed it. And then it's like, well, now I've got a good relationship with yeah, Mari yeah, and she knows yeah, what I yeah. do. And Give me a reference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that Christmas run up. Yeah, so that's the, that's the, that's the funny thing because mm. they like – I mean – I. I've never really had like because most of the time like if I'm finding it hard to get a retailer on board, I will say to them, "You can just give them back." Like we can do sale or return yeah, yeah, terms yeah. where if you're not selling them, you can yeah. give back what you've got left, and I'll refund you f- for the books that you give me back. Yeah, okay. So, Which, they'll, so they'll, they'll still pay up front, but there's an yes, option to yes. Um, and I mean, I reckon it's happened once that I've been given back books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. In all of my yeah, at least, at least you have the confidence to to be able to do that. Yeah, it's, it's you know it's a really kind of no no loss situation for the bookshop then. Yeah, well, exactly. Mm. Yeah, and that's like I guess that is yeah the one benefit when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we might move on to your what's the most recent book <laughs> you published? Yeah, the Bistroff Sheena book. 
So a bit of a departure from your previous books. This was uh, about a restaurant um, rather than a region. Yeah. Um, do you want to just go over how that came about and some of the differences? Yeah. So. Yeah, this one's a, this one's a funny story, I guess. Like, we—I mean, we're going to be honest on this podcast. We <laughs> promised each other that we'd be honest on this podcast, so let's talk about it. I—I I, I don't know. Like, I—I I won't say everything, but I'll say ev- most stuff. But like, so the original the original publication. So the, the book's called Farm to Flame, and it's still available. Get yourself a copy because mm. I've got lots of them and I want to sell them. Um, and it's, it's still a good book, and it's still a good <laughs> like, book. Like, like, it's still a fucking it's cool, a great, great book. Looking it's book. actually the best cookbook I've made. Yeah, in terms of like aesthetics and like how it looks as a cookbook yeah. i think it's the best book that i've made yeah um but yeah that was for the restaurant bistro officina up in barrel um if you haven't heard of it yeah like a friend nico opened that business with his wife alex and they ran it at the berita hotel for a few years they won a hat in their first year and yeah i met nico through the southern highlands cookbook um, and then he kind of like I've had a lot of people throughout my book publishing career indicate to me that they want to make cookbooks. I think like it, it's a little bit of a, a chef dream. Yeah, for most chefs, they'd love to have a book. Yes, um, I think most obviously wait for the opportunity to present itself to them. I think Nick obviously went and wanted to do it quite specifically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I guess like. And like at the end of the day, this is all a learning experience. And I, I mean, I regret some of it, but I don't regret any of it in a way <laughs> as well. But it was like, so originally he indicated to me that he wanted to do a cookbook. Mm. And I was averse to the idea of risking my money to put into this book mm. to make it happen. And I, what I did like, and what I've done in the past, what, what I can do for, for restaurants is like, if you're willing to put about this amount of money into a book, and this amount of work into a book, this is how many books you can sell mm. and you can either profit from it or you can break even. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just a really valuable marketing tool for your restaurant, mm. right? And I still think that it would have been a profitable book if that had been the case. So originally we planned on doing it and he was going to contract me to make this book for him and they were going to fund it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, and they were going to fund it. We started work on the publication and a part of it was because I was absolutely fucking stupid in getting my contracts organized and things like that. And like where I should have done things on a legal and contractual basis, I did things on a trust basis. Um, But we started work on the book and and things like that. And then uh, it got to a point where he wasn't able to pay for the rest of the publication. And that was because... He had an unexpected child mm. and had to sell his house and um, like moved into a new place or something like that and they couldn't pay for the rest of the publication. Um, you know, I don't know what happens with the finances of the business and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I was at a point where I'd already invested a lot of time into that publication, like heaps of time into mm. that publication and and my own resources and money and things like that. And I sort of thought... This is going to be like I'm already in the process of making a really cool book here. Yeah. And it's just going to be so sad for me to pull out and just not make this book anymore yeah. and, just, and just sort of cut my losses and leave it right here. Like he still wants – like Nico still wants to make the book. Like let's do it. And so 
I was like, fuck it, I'll pay for the printing. Mm. So I paid I paid for the rest of the publication and we made the book and I was like, I'm just like I now own the publication yeah. and we're we're gonna try to make some money like I'm gonna try to make some money and like I still think that it would have made money, but at the end of the day, like Nico closed his business like yeah. a few months after that book was released, unfortunately. Um <clears throat> there's probably no point in going into the details of why um it's yeah, like in, of why why the business actually closed. Yeah, but no, that was the reality. Yeah, and, and then it's obviously just just poor poor timing for for yeah. yourself. Um, and yeah, I guess it's uh, the fact that you don't particularly do these mon- these these books just for money. Yeah, you enjoy doing them, and you're on a project. And you know his food was great, and like all the photography is beautiful. And then you know the book turned out amazing. So mm. the kind of the temptation to just be like, oh, well, I've started it now, so let's crack on and do it. Yeah, like I kind of wasn't thinking at the time, like, well, what happens if the business closes? Yeah. I'm like, what what will happen? Like I was thinking of the positive side. And I still think that if the business was still open now, it'll be a profitable book. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we we already had lined up. So like before the business closed, we already had Nico lined up to do events with – he was going to do an aperitivo at the Dolphin. Mm. Uh, he was going to do an event with Guy Grossi at the Melbourne Food Festival. Yeah, yeah. He was going to do numerous events all around Australia where he'd promote himself, his business, and book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah, you just continue that sort of trajectory. And it was about sort of like like the marketing campaign, the marketing mm. strategy was about marketing him as a chef and yeah. marketing the book alongside that and sort of like letting the book ride the coattails of the success of that business. But as things go in hospitality that doesn't always work out and the business closed so now i've got like a couple of thousand copies of farm to flame in storage in montague street north wollongong and if you want to buy one uh if you go on to quicksandfood.com and you go into the store you can buy any book and then you get farm to flame half price (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's some really doable recipes in there it's well. fucking. It's a sick book, <laughs> like, man. Like, like it's actually a really cool book. It yeah. looks really cool, and it's got really cool recipes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, where the original books would be a bit of a mix of some things that are doable at home, and then some you know, more technical things. Mm. Well, that's what that was. What was awesome about creating Farm to Flame is yeah. it was about one place, mm. and we had we, we only shot like re, we shot recipes in a few different locations because some were shot on the farm and some were shot yeah, in the restaurant. Yeah. But being able to curate the aesthetics of a book from scratch from the ground up rather than like being sort of beholden to the dishes like the way that the dishes are presented from like 40 different chefs and trying to tie that all together Mm. like being able to curate that from the ground up like is huge when it comes to being able to like auteur a visual a visual thing like a visual representation of of a place in a venue would you if someone else approached you from a restaurant, from a chef, mm. to do another book, mm. what would you consider it? Peter Gilmore, if you would like to <laughs> do another book. The key cookbook um, part two. Yeah, second key cookbook. Then I'm, yeah, like Rene, if you want to come talk yeah. to me, Massimo, like yeah. if you want to have a chat, then maybe I'll make a book for you or what something I mean? like that. So, yeah, definitely. Not, not my I definitely would. Italian chef, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely consider it. Yeah, look, um, maybe, maybe, who knows? There's mm. different ways to do it, you know. Like, yeah. there's not. I I probably wouldn't 
necessarily take all the risk again. Yeah. yeah. I, d- I didn't intend to take all the risk from the yeah, start exactly, of that publication, yeah. but uh, I probably wouldn't do it again. And I think that like, to be honest, if there's people out there with big Instagram followings and stuff like that and big followings, mm. I reckon I could make them money on a book, yeah. on an independently published cookbook. So like um, I've Bo got, Beck- I've got, got 1,600 followers now. What it's not enough, you, Not enough? It's not enough. Um, yeah, no, like- <laughs> I don't know how much people make from cookbooks. I don't know how much money people make from cookbooks. But I think, like, I reckon that there are certain chefs out there that if they invested in me to make a cookbook for them, yeah. I would make them, I would make them as much, if not more, money than they would going with a publisher if they did it independently and sold yeah. them all online. What do you think the advantages are of going to an independent publisher rather than approaching a a big scale company? Number one, I think it's that you have. And there's probably people that work for big publishing houses here, like maybe listening that are like, hey, he's full of shit. And now I probably am. <laughs> might, might not know what I'm talking about. But a huge one is a huge one when it comes to having the rights to your own book is being able to sell books online at a retail price. Mm. So 40% is the wholesale discount. So yeah. the standard book I sell for 40% off. When I sell a book online that's 40 bucks, I make $40. Yeah. When I sell a book through a, a, a a shop, yeah. it's 25 So if you own a restaurant and you publish your own cookbook, so if like like Lennox Hasty already has a book mm. that's you know wildly popular and he's probably made good money off Finding Fire, it's a fantastic book. Yeah. But he also has a big profile and a big following. And if Fire Door just had a bookshop online that had Finding Fire and they made every single dollar from that book, yeah. That would make more money in the online sales. Yeah, you've got to sell X amount less. Yes, to make the same money. But you'd still have to go. You'd still have to go and flog your book at other places and things like that and yeah. whatever. But like the the business model is completely different when you mm. own the rights to your own publication. And I think that like, I just think that like in the world of Instagram, especially like in the in the food world, like when you've got chefs out there that have hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. I don't think it'd be much trouble for them to sell 4,000 copies. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think that, like, like if you sell 4,000 copies at $40 instead of 25, then yeah. you're doing all right compared to a business model where, where, like, well, for me, it's wholesale, but I don't even know what publisher contracts look like. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. But that's like, I mean, 4,000 books is bugger all when it comes to a major publisher for, yeah. an, for a national publication. Like, yeah. in that sphere, we're talking, like, into the 20, like 50, 100,000 yeah. copies, like sales figures. Mm. So, I mean, it's a completely different fi- business model and I'm sort of speculating and stuff, but like I still reckon you could make money and it'd be worth your time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I don't know. Shout out. If, if anyone wants to holler at me to strap the boots back on and make another <laughs> make another independent cookbook. I've still got it. Well, I've still got it. it. Like, I mean, I can literally write a business plan for a book yeah. and say this is how much everything's going to cost and this is and if you sell this quantity of books, this is how much money you're going to make. Yeah. I guess it might probably, probably one of the things that seems actually out of, out of the realms of possibility to a lot of people mm. um, of like, I'd like to do a book. I've got a bit of a following. But actually, until someone actually approached you and said, I think we can make some money, it's really quite a hard jump to take to assume that yourself. Mm. Well, it's like, it's I can't remember what they're called, but Louisa Brimble, um, a photographer, like a food photographer who's pretty prominent online, um, 
does a lot of photography for Australian organizations and I can't remember it's called is, is it called some kind press I believe like she's started an organization and I can't I can't speculate how the business model works but it's where essentially businesses can go to her to get their book public published right okay essentially yeah but I think that like what it looks like to me is that um, there's sort of like a template of what these what these books look like. It's yeah, like not okay. every single book is like completely individualized. Yeah, the photography yeah. and the recipes and, and those sorts of things are different. I mean that's I'm not sure though. Because, I don't want to speak out of turn. Yeah. Possibly when when I when I asked the question, I was more thinking from my side that um the control over the book and the, the input would be um a selling point for like like if, if it was Yeah, okay, right. If it was me, I would want like a fair bit of control over the book mm. with with the way it looked the layout and things like that and obviously you know, we're taking advice from people who know more yeah. but like something like that would be I imagine again speculation I don't know how big, big publishing companies work but I imagine they'd be a lot more set in like we need to do it like this we need to do a book like this this is what will sell has to be you know this mm. kind of vibe mm. yeah I think it would be a selling point it just I, I guess it um has a bit to do with your amount like how much you can back yourself on on developing a concept that you really want to get behind because yeah. like i mean realistically they're pretty fucking good at it as well yeah oh, like yeah. With, yeah. when it comes to restaurant publications yeah. like if you look at a book like igni or you know james vile's book biota from mm. back in 2015 or whenever it was or finding fire or a lot of these sort of like bray like mm. restaurant publications they're they're beautiful. They're yeah, fucking yeah. beautiful publications. I find some of them, Igni, not not so much. Igni was, was wildly original um, yeah. and was quite a fucking tale reading that book. Mm. You're like, bloody hell. Um, but I find a lot, a lot of a lot of books have a, have a similar, are a bit samey, where it's like, this is this is a story of a, a day in the restaurant and we start with this. And, you know, it's half fucking bullshit and it's fucking half made up. And I just find a lot of them are do come across a bit samey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and whereas I think Igni was kind of attacked it from a slightly different way, which which I, which I respected. But mm. um, yeah, I think like if as ever, if I if like if I was to do something <laughs> when I get up to forty thousand followers, uh, <laughs> I would I would want to do something like original and yeah. and and you know unique in its own way. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be a uh, the key one. Who knows? Mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one. Like when it comes to strapping the boots back on, I haven't made a book since two thousand and eighteen. I've been just. Mm. freelancing since then like I've somehow managed to parlay quicksand food into um, I do copywriting I do food photography I do consulting like now apparently I um, I do audio production uh, and a bunch of different things so I've managed to make a living so off how, quicksand food how following with your public. current your current work situation which everyone is quite confused about most of the time so what does Steph do and I'm like I don't know podcasts yeah Qantas pass <laughs> once. Um, how how like do you think the a lot of skills you learn making these books have translated into being kind of um, the kind of broad um, work, yeah. worker you are now, where you do a bit of photography, some copy, yeah, some design, like all stuff you probably put into books, and now you're making a bit of cash, definitely independently, yeah. 100 percent like like most of this stuff like as i said like i wouldn't know how to take photos of food if it wasn't for tess Mm. so tess showed me how to take podcasting for one yeah well exactly yeah podcasting started with the books as well yeah but um yeah like tess taught me how to take photos and now i take like i'm it's it's weird to tell to say i'm 
available for commercial f- food photography, but yeah. I am like yeah. I've done I've done it for you know dozens of different venues. Yeah, yeah. Um, the same when it comes to like copywriting and stuff. Like I, if anyone wants to hire me as a recipe editor, mm. like I've edited hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recipes, yeah. and I know how to do it. And product development, also, also yeah, yeah, like all sorts we're, of different things. Both available for that. Yeah. Like all, all sorts of different things. And, and yeah, most of it comes from that. But I guess like a part of it is like what comes out of it is learning to be self-motivated, learning how to be like entrepreneurial in a sense, like learning how to learning how to problem solve and learning how to, even if you don't know everything about a particular project, which is it's hard to find, like, mm. it, you know, especially if it's something broad. Learning how to learning how to do it and being able to understand things and take yeah. and take things forward. Problem solving, I think, is something that for one, I think hospitality teaches very well. Um, yes, for sure. From, from my point of view, um, and it's something that's just just wildly useful in any industry, in any job you have. Being you know, be able to to think rationally and, and logically and come to a solution. And I imagine, that, yeah, like on the course of nine months of making a book, I imagine there's lots of like little sticking points you get to where you have to you know fucking think on the fly and you know do something that's going to work mm, totally like i mean if you if you were to list the amount like you know how people have like their duties on their resume like i <laughs> yeah, worked at yeah. i worked at the bank my duties were yeah, cash, cash deposits <laughs> like yeah this yeah. and like f- f- safe food service yeah and stuff like that like if you were to list my duties mm. for um quicksand food yeah it it is pages yeah. long. Like I'm doing everything from taking photos to re- recipe editing to mm. organizing a social media strategy to organizing a marketing strategy to yeah. liaising with printers to like everything. So yes, in terms of like learning how to do shit, it's been yeah. a fucking yeah. a journey. L- liaising with chefs, which is one of the last things I think we'll uh, we'll move on to. Because mm. um, <laughs> I know that was one of the, the sort of first things we we chatted about with you, and why you kind of came to to us uh, myself and Tom first at Cavo to try and get us on board to help get other people on board. And dealing with chefs is probably not the funnest thing to do because we're all a bit overworked, lacking time and are a bit standoffish when someone comes to you with an idea out of the blue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's good and it's hard. Like, it's both It's both things. Mm. Probably the, the very, very hardest part of it is getting them to send me fucking recipes. <laughs> it's like we came to your restaurant and we photographed three dishes. Like, it mm. says in the thing that you signed that you would supply us with these recipes within two weeks yeah. of us completing the photo shoot and it's the last day and you haven't sent us anything and like i've literally had so i've had everything from like chefs that have gone away and tested their recipes themselves which i ask people to do like just give them a first test and make sure or whatever and then we'll we'll figure it out after that um to like and and they and they write it all out absolutely perfectly and then we just edit that and that's great Mm. to one chef, I won't say who it was, but one was like, mate, I'm not going to have the time to send you a recipe. <laughs> Hit the record thing on your phone and I'll tell you how I made it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I recorded him telling me, just telling me how he made it <laughs> and me going like, so how much flour was it? Yeah. And he was like, I don't know, 200 grams, like or whatever. <laughs> and then and then I have to like listen to that and then turn that into that, a recipe. That might just be it. the easy way of doing it. 
just waiting there just be like just talking to this and say the no, recipe no no because see like another fucking hard thing about it is that chefs always have such a big ego that they want to make the coolest fucking dish in the world yeah like with a million components and stuff and it's like dude it's a cookbook right it's not like a place for you to show how cool yeah. of a chef you are like yeah. please I'm- do something that people can cook I can. We completely ignored that. No, one hundred percent. You, um, but also, I wasn't going to put anything that other people could cook in anyway. Well, exactly. Like, like I mean, I it's a hard balancing act, but at yeah. the same time, it's like well, I, I don't surely like, you can find a middle. I, th- I think I, w- I warned you when I before I sent them whether it was on time. Yours or not. were ridiculous. Well, yeah, because I had like, had like twelve I, components to each of your dishes. There was like twenty ingredients to the brine I used. Yes. <laughs> so like, but like, yeah, it was. That's but that's the. I mean, that was the kind of food we did. It was like it looked looked fairly simple on a plate. Most yeah, that's all right. I mean, we figure out how to adapt to it. it. Like, I mean, yeah. they're not going to make it look like like, and that's the beauty of having a section that's like a chef's note. Yeah. You put a chef's uh, yeah, note yeah. in yeah. there saying like, Cavo uses a much more detailed recipe that involves like these components. Yeah, like if you want to make this from scratch, like you can buy these components. Like you can buy dehydrated raspberries. You can yeah, buy yeah. like this, that, and the other. And we're going to tell you to do the home version, but yeah. like the photo is what you guys do because yeah. that's what we have to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was actually one of the benefits of doing the Bistro Officina book as well. It was like it was actually all achievable and easy recipes. Yeah, yeah. Apart from a couple that had liquid yeah, nitrogen, yeah. but like but the other than that, so when you read like Heston's fat, fat duck cookbook, yeah, and, exactly. and it's, it's like <laughs> it's just like the first the first thing on on the recipe sheet, you'd be like, right, can't do that. Yeah, no, moving on. Yeah, I've always used the example of in um. Magnus Nielsen's book, the Favikan book, take four p uh, serves four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In that in that Favikan book, one of the recipes is vinegar aged in a burnt out spruce tree, <laughs> and it's like, and that's a recipe. It's like you just got to get a burnt out spruce tree. If spruce tree not available. Use oak tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> out of control. Yeah. Um, has there been so? See, one side was chefs just trying to throw everything and do the most complicated dishes. Is there, is there any place you've been where chefs just put out? Something that was a bit shitty, and you had to be like, "Ah, oh, um, maybe some micro herbs." No, no, everyone's no, good. No, like simplicity is good. Simplicity yeah. is good. Like, and I mean, if they're a chef, usually they've got some sort of an idea about food, and we can make it look good. Yeah, and, and then we can make it like I mean. Yeah, there's some simple recipes in some of the books. Like, mm. there's a recipe in one of the books for like salt and pepper flash fried school prawns with aioli yeah yeah. you know what i mean like and that's a good recipe Mm. you know what i mean it's good food Mm. there's i mean there's probably some in there here and there that you're like "Eh," like not ideal but we'll we'll make it look as nice as possible and then when we write the recipe we'll make it sound as nice as possible and it'll yeah it'll um it'll it'll come together Mm. um you know like but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, like styling and things like that. Sometimes the presentation's terrible. Yeah, don't like things that come out on big white square plates and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. then we're like, here we got a plate. You use that, like, and stuff. So, food styling's another thing I've learned. Yeah, white, big white square plates. Yeah, that was all the rage when I was in college. Not good for photography. No, nah, for sure. Just, just glare. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. What's next? Are we almost done? It sounds like I'm whinging heaps. I hope I don't sound like I'm Every, whinging. Everyone sounds like that when they talk about their job. Oh, fuck. Like, I generally whinge about being a chef. Like, but the like, thing is, is that I have so much to be grateful for. I have so much to be grateful for mm. and, and happy about when it comes to what I've done for the mm. last five years. Like, like, firstly, it's 
interesting. Like I've been so captivated by what I've been doing and I've been like welcomed into these hospitality communities that I would never have like an entry into unless I worked in that Mm. hospitality community. So like I'm friends with all these people that work in the hospitality industry in Wollongong now just because I did that book, Mm. you know, like I've met so many awesome people and I, and I continue to learn so much about food. Like I, food is my passion. That's why I do these books and that's Mm. why I've been working in food forever. So like to be able to keep within the industry and to keep learning about it and, and, and stuff but not be a chef and not work in hospitality is a pretty awesome position to be in. Yeah. Like that's that's awesome. Like I absolutely love, 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 love that. And taking photos of food, I love it. Like it's it's it, it, it's a it's what a lot of people want to do. Like a lot of people really love food, really love like wine and they want to be in the hospitality industry, but the thought of being a chef or front of house or a winemaker is is a pretty big ask. Mm. Um, so so I think it's, it's it's an enviable enviable position in some ways. So you yeah. get to work with you know with chefs, with restaurants, with food, but you know yeah, not, like not, not to do the fucking shit kicker work, mate. That's it. Yeah, like I don't I I you know it's it's always easy to forget how how awesome of a position you're actually in. Like mm. being being my own boss for the last five years, yeah. making these books and not and not having to answer to people and and being able to make my own decisions on what I do and mm. when I do it and yeah. things like that is an awesome position to be in and in making these books. It's fantastic. Like I have got nothing to complain about. And then when it comes to making the books as well, it's like I, I sound like quite cynical and and I guess m- most of the cynicism comes from the fact that it's not like a hugely like lucrative business. Yeah. Like if I was out there to make like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year, like this isn't yeah. this isn't the place I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it through regional publishing. It doesn't matter how big it scale. Like you mm. can't scale it to a big enough point where you're going to be making like yeah. half a million bucks a year. It's just yeah. not how it works. Um, so like that's part of where the cynicism comes from. But like it's – yeah, it's such a privileged position to be in. And then I also get this thing where like this happens all the time where people are like – I've seen your book. Like when people learn that I'm the guy from the book, mm. like like people introduce me as the guy from the book. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's the guy that did the, the book. And he's yeah, the guy yeah. that did the book. And then people yeah. are like, oh, I gave that book to my mom for Christmas. She mm. loves it. Yeah. And like countless times that's happened to me. When people are like, oh, and like people I've never met before mm. that are like, oh, you did the Illawarra cookbook. Yeah, I give that to all my friends as gifts. They love it like yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. That type of feedback is so cool. And like you know that as a chef, you know, like like if people had met you and had been to Cavo but like didn't know that you were the chef, they're like, oh, yeah, we go there. They love that. Like oh, I tell stuff them like that. most of the time. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's that sort of feedback that's awesome. And it's like every for every like cynical part and for every time that you sort of think, Oh, like fuck! I really care about this way more than everyone else. Like, I think there's yeah. that thing where, like, no matter, like, if you're into something, or if it's your job, or if it's something that you're doing, or a project that you're doing, you obviously care about it, and you're mm. way more into it than other people. And you like sometimes think to yourself, like, oh, do people like actually fucking give a shit? Like, am, am I caring about this just yeah. way too much, and yeah. I just don't need to care about it as much as I do? But then, like, for every time that you think like that, there's like another person that goes. Oh, I bought that book and it's great. Or like, ah, oh, like you know, yeah, it's, it's sure. awesome. Like, and and then like, I got a someone told me a story that they like 
they were I, I sold the capital cookbook to embassies in Canberra. That was one of my clients. So they got yeah. all these embassies who would give it to people who were visiting from their like home countries and stuff like mm. that. And I'd get stories of them being given to like foreign dignitaries, like the Prime Minister of here, or like this was given to like one of them was given to Gough Whitlam at a ceremony, like in, yeah, a, in nice. a place and stuff like that. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Like, yeah, that's I didn't sick. Know. yeah, like so um yeah, it's it's all that sort of stuff that like that 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 makes it awesome and makes it worth it. And I'm definitely in a very, very privileged and awesome position to be able to do that and to be able to do that for the last five years and somehow make a living off it. And mm. Yeah, not um, mop floors in greasy kitchens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, cool. I think we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. It's a good chat. I feel informed. Yeah. yeah. That was fucking, it took a while, but um, I, I don't know. Finally, we got it all off off the chest and yeah, off the table. It's and out there now. Everyone it's out knows. There. People know what quicksand yeah. food actually is. Finally, know what you do. All right, like, what does Steph do? <laughs> Listen to this podcast. Yeah, you know. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everyone. Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. 